This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody podcast. Uh, welcome back. Jack, um, today we have the, uh, the menu of a Michelin five-star restaurant. We, uh, we bring you nothing but quality. We have a terrific interview with Greg Camarillo, the former Miami Dolphins wide receiver who made a lot of news in the past week with things he tweeted out. And that's a fun interview because we talked to him about that and about his very unique, distinct place in Miami Dolphins franchise history. Can you explain to me why you always go to Jack? Like, why can't you do another name that rhymes with back? What else rhymes like, with why back? Can't, why, like, you could do Zach. You could say Mac. Like, you know. Like, welcome back, Zach. No, no, like, no. Why is it always Jack? Well, because if I say welcome back, Zach, it sounds like I'm talking to a specific guy. Like, we have a guy named Zach. Well, what's Jack? Well, Jack is, is uh, you know, Jack of all trades. No, I mean, Jack is a generic word that you say after the word back. Welcome back, Jack. I mean, it's just something I grew up with. Welcome back, Mac. No, 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 no. Like, it's it's equally as ridiculous. Like, Jack is not, like, something people are, like, used to, like, wanting to hear in that I setting. Think, like, I think they do. Everybody that's listening to this is thrown off a little bit when you hit him with a Jack. I, th- like, I think you could not be more wrong. But uh, they're thinking, whose name is Jack? Like, they, it like makes them stop listening to you for a split second because they're like, who? No, they know it. They know Jack. Uh, Jack is is eternal. It's uh, through history. You know, Jack Kerouac uh, of on the road again, on the road fame. I mean, Jack's uh, Jack Nicholson. I mean, generally, if you're named Jack, you've achieved some level of. Uh, uh, Jack White, you know, people named Jack are are eternal. They're they're wonderful. But now we're now we're just being ridiculous. Well, um, I wanted to uh, mention, in addition to Greg Camarillo, we have a special. This is our fiftieth podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Five zero. We're turning fifty today. We've been doing this nearly a year, and so Mount Gregmore, uh, uh, a Greg Cody show tradition since twenty twenty, um, has a special Mount Gregmore devoted. To the number Why'd 50. Why'd you just look to your right? Like the audio could hear you look mid mid word right, right. there. Where, where clean it up and uh, clean it up in post production. It's hard to clean up a mid word look to the right. Speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of me messing up and uh, being a non professional when speaking into a mic, we have a great. Should we tease what we have? I I think we should. <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited about this. <laughs> well, you, okay. I want to be very honest with you, and and you guys know this. Uh, my voice is very lugubrious, okay? It can be... Um, Gross. It can be slow. It can be, uh, you know, a lot of ums and ahs and just zero polish. If they only knew. Well, yes, if they only knew. That's why you have to play this podcast uh, on 1.5 speed because you know what it does? It makes me sound better. It makes me sound like I, I have some vitality and some verve that I don't normally have. So please listen to it at 1.5, but... Christopher, um, producer extraordinaire. Like right now, your voice is doing a thing. It's perfect. Okay. Christopher has like put together um, a parody song, making fun of my voice, <laughs> the voice that he has to hear unedited. You guys should realize right. how terrible it is. But anyway, we'll get to that as well. Basically, every interview he does, with or without me, when I'm like editing it afterwards, I'm just made very frustrated by his constant ums. And, and I'm no one to judge. I am terrible. I say like a lot. But I just, 
it, it frustrates me because you do this thing where you swallow, you'll like clear your throat and you'll swallow. And it, I know. And it's just, it's, it's something that's been boiling over in me, all this frustration. <laughs> and I finally, in this, and, and I wasn't there for the Craig Camarillo interview. So when I was listening back to it, I was like, <laughs> I grew inspired to uh, finally, you know, make an ums parody no, song. No, yeah, I deserve it. Believe me. Yeah. And it, it was funny. I laughed out loud. I, I was uh, in Vero Beach, uh, um, visiting my dying aunt. It lifted my spirit because I heard it on the way back. Auntie Arlene, we love you. Um, listen, I want to mention very quickly that Cam Newton got heckled at a youth football camp, which I found hilarious. Uh, a t- Wait, what? Yeah, you didn't hear about that? A kid uh, no. on TikTok um, started heckling Cam Newton. And, and, and his, his worst diss was yelling at Cam Newton, Yo, free agent! Which, I, you know, to me, that's not a big insult to call somebody a free right. agent, but... Cam Newton got in the kid's face, like a 15-year-old kid got in the kid's face and just kept repeating, I'm rich. I'm rich. So it was like, it was a both a comical and a pathetic scene that happened. Oof. You know. I'm trying to think, like I was ready to be on Cam Newton's side. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad, I'm glad he wasn't being like threatening, like he was going to hurt him. Like that would have no. been worse. Oh yeah. But, 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 but next on the list of worst is like just flaunting that. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, the saving grace, if any, was that. Cam Newton had no anger on his face at all. He was like, had that big, he's got a beautiful smile, Cam Newton. He had this big Well, he grin. is rich. No, you can't deny it. I, can't, I, I get it. Like, you know, he could never play football again, and he's going to live good. Like, I kind of right. get. Um, before know. we. Um, and, it, and it must stink to be famous and just, like, always have a camera in your face. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just do something without a camera. Yeah, but, but if you're Cam Newton at a youth football camp, that may be one of the last places you expect to be heckled. You know, you're, you're not at the Meadowlands playing the Jets where you expect heckling. You're at a youth football camp. And you're also, like, around a lot of kids. Right. You think you'd have it turned on that day to, like, do everything in the right spirit of, like, you know, for the kids. And, like, that's odd that it would happen there. I would get it if you're just, like, at a mall and some guy's heckling you. Like, I'm rich. Right. But, like, at a youth camp, you probably should have. Yeah, like, okay, you got to bite your tongue on that one. Uh, before I introduce uh, Greg Camarillo, and it was a great conversation we had. You're going to really want to hear it. Uh, a conversation. Yeah, that's right. I want to mention very quickly, we've teased, uh, on, I'm not sure if we mentioned it on the air, but on Twitter, I teased that there's big news coming for uh, our podcast. And I'm about... A little overstated. A little overstated. I, I think it's pretty big news. I'm excited about it. Um, here's what's going to happen. I, I just threw in another um, by the way. I caught myself after the fact. Uh, we... <laughs> We are going to be available, this little podcast, the little podcast that could, is going to be available on Sirius XM National Radio beginning Monday, March 8th. How about that? What channel? We are going to be on channel 145, I believe. All right. And uh, is, that, is, this one of the, is this one of those things that if we do really well, we can move like lower and lower as a channel? I think, and Eventually yes. we could be channel 8. Right. Like we can replace 80s on uh eight right we're gonna uh, we're eventually gonna bump howard stern but seriously um it's exciting uh we're affiliated uh we will be affiliated beginning monday march 8th with channel 145 slam radio and uh you can still get this podcast obviously and listen to it at your pleasure on spotify and megaphone and uh apple of course and and wherever you do your potting but beginning monday march 8th you can also hear it not only on sirius xm Channel 45, uh, 145, but I believe we're going to be in drive time. I think it's uh, 5 to 6 p.m., but we're going to we're going to let you know as we get closer. Yep. It's exciting. Do I have an intern yet? 
uh, we're working on that. We're we're trying to get you an intern from this uh, from this channel to help us out. It's it's it's, it's just one of like I've had. I, I wrote a couple goals down. Uh, you know, at the beginning of every year, you write right. down some. And goals. your first one was one I want to work less. My my one of my one of my goals, oddly enough, was just. In any way in life, whether it's with this podcast, you know, I'm with the Levitard Show. I was just, I want an intern. So if you could just make that happen for me, I'd love it. Yeah, intern. we're going to work on that. Uh, we're okay. going to work on that. Anyway, <clears throat> a quick intro uh, to Greg Camarillo. I'm not going to say much because I think when actually introducing him during the interview, I, I sort of describe what's happening. But he had, thank you for doing that. Thank you for not doing that because you're you love. To I do, do love that. to do that. I will just say he's got a very. This is mostly a fun interview. Uh, we have a lot of laughs. It's mostly a fun interview, but we do uh, start a little bit on the serious side based on some tweets uh, he said in the past week he wrote, and they got a ton of reaction. They really hit a chord, and so you're going to want to hear this interview. Here's former Miami Dolphins wide receiver Greg Camarillo. Happy to be joined today by uh, a name that will be familiar to NFL fans, especially Miami Dolphin fans, I think, Greg Camarillo. Uh, wide receiver uh, for seven years in the NFL from 2006 to 12, including 07 to 09 with the Miami Dolphins down here. Thank you, Greg, for being here. Yeah, my, my pleasure for joining. Thanks for having me on. You, um, on Twitter, at Catch Camarillo, you wrote a thread of six tweets that really gave people an idea of what being a, a former athlete is all about. The reaction has been overwhelming. I think um, you've had over 30,000 likes for these tweets. Uh, it, it, they really struck a chord with fans. And before we talk about that, <clears throat> pardon my voice here. Hopefully my, editor, my producer who's not here will edit that clearing <laughs> of the throat out. Um, before we talk about that, if you don't mind, I'd like to read your tweets uh, to our audience so that they know what interested me so much about having you on. You wrote... Football players struggle when our careers are over. It's hard. We have been football players for years. It's what we do, what we know, and a big part of who we are. And then it's gone. A big part of our identity lost. Football is the ultimate team sport. We are taught to bury our problems and pains for the benefit of the team. In a game, that works. In life, that's dangerous. The mentality of suck it up or fight through it doesn't work in real life. We often reach a pinnacle at a young age. Our childhood dreams have come to fruition. Then at around 30, we start over. How will we ever achieve something this great again? Will I ever feel this same excitement or pride again? That's hard to deal with. Our conversations with friends and family are always about football. People love talking about the game. So do we. And then suddenly it's, what are you doing now? What's next? A strictly regimented life is now wide open. The adjustment is hard. Physical pain can take a toll. Memory problems, aching knees, restless nights, it all adds up. You never know what someone is dealing with. The battles they are fighting. We all go through it. It's okay to need help. We all need help at some point. Call your friends. Call your family. Check in. Send love. Show support. Life is short. Take advantage of every moment you have. Greg, that's pretty uh, honest of you to sort of almost bare your soul like that. What, um... What led you to be so honest and, and write what you did? Honestly, didn't think I was sharing anything that was that personal or a secret. It, and until I've learned the reaction I've been getting from people that are thanking me for bringing that topic to light. Because I mean, that, that was that was my experience. These are the things that I, I went through and thought 
after retiring from football, uh, it just assumed that was part of life. And realize that so many people outside of just football, I've gotten great, you know, very positive responses, thank yous from uh, college athletes, other pro athletes from different sports, military vets that that have the similar struggles, often with more dire consequences after you know retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it was a result of a reflection time after Vincent Jackson uh, was found dead uh, last week. That was a friend, a teammate. You know, we were rookies together in 2005 with the San Diego Chargers. I spent two seasons and three camps together with him. So he was, you know, a good friend. You found out he had passed away. We don't know the details of his struggles, but clearly there was there were some issues going on. There were some deep issues. And so, you know, reflecting on on Vincent and, and his journey just prompted me to just share my thoughts on Twitter. Had no idea that it would get quite the reaction like that. Uh, but so much positivity has come from that, that I'm glad that I, you know, I, I hit tweet and put it out there. It's almost like a public service really that you did. And uh, because I think a lot of athletes had to be nodding their heads and, and knowing exactly what you were talking about when, when they read what you wrote. And um, I didn't realize I was going to ask you what sort of was the trigger for this, but uh, obviously Vincent Jackson uh, dying last week was it, and uh, I didn't realize you guys were were teammates. That's um, that has to hit you hard when you hear about a guy that young suddenly gone, and especially a guy that I was close to. I hadn't talked to him in a long time, but you know we were camp roommates, spent you know hours together in in a hotel room trying. He was a second round pick, I was an undrafted guy, so our journeys weren't exactly the same. But then once you come together as teammates. Uh, you know, you you have a bond. And that's the beautiful thing about football is you get to know and develop relationships. You get to be in a locker room. You get to um, create lifelong friendships, you know. Uh, and a lot of my tweets, a lot of those thoughts were not a result of, of the news from Vincent Jackson, but things that I had been thinking about for a long time that I just decided to share at that moment and work in college athletics. I'm an academic counselor for student athletes. And so, you know, my pretty much my career, my job is to help athletes prepare for success whenever, you know, they, they hang up their Jersey. What, uh, what school are you at? The university of San Diego. Okay. Your, uh, your personal transition, Greg, from, from being an NFL player for seven years to not being an NFL player. Uh, what has that been like for you personally? Was it a mental challenge? Is it the physical pain? Like, uh, the the part of those tweets that applied the most directly to you were were what? So I've been retired eight years now. The 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 same amount of time I have been done with football as that I played in the NFL, which is really it's just an interesting crossroads for me. The two hardest aspects for me being I retired at thirty years old, not knowing if I'd ever feel the emotional peaks that football provided. When you run out into a stadium of eighty thousand people, it is an absolute rush. That is an amazing feeling. Uh, you know, as a kid, I dreamed of being on SportsCenter. I got to be the number one <laughs> on SportsCenter's top 10 with the Dolphins catch, which of course. is a, a dream come true. I, I collected playing cards as a kid. I have my own NFL receiving card. That's cool. Uh, you know, I running out of that Dolphins helmet with the smoke going, like those are childhood dreams come true. And to feel like you may have peaked at 30 when there's so much life left, it's it's difficult to cope with and yes you, you know i maybe I'll, I'll experience something like that again or maybe i won't need to experience something like that again but just that thought of i was you know months ago at this peak 
where the hell am I now? That's a tough one to deal with. And then the other hard part with, for me, it was when people would ask, what are you doing now? And so, you know, I've always been a very driven guy. I've always been someone that wants to achieve a lot. And, you know, I was uh, an engineering student at Stanford. I, I, I apologize if this sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm trying to put it into, Sure. I'm trying to just, you know, paint a picture. I was an engineering student and a football player at Stanford. So I was always like working, working hard, working hard, trying to get better football, trying to get good grades in engineering. And then every year in the NFL, uh, you know, as an undrafted guy, you're making the roster every year. So my energy always, let me make this roster. Let me make this roster. Let me make this roster. And then suddenly I don't have anything for the first time in my life that I'm pushing hard to succeed at. And, And fortunately when I retired at 30, my first child was born January 5th, right at the end of the season. I got to put all my energy into being a dad. But it's, I mean, it's, I read every dad book in the world. I was YouTubing how to change a diaper. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I put a lot of energy into that. But it's it's just a totally different world. You know, busting your ass in a weight room to the point where you throw up so you can be a good football player is not the same as, you know, changing a great diaper, making sure that's all the way clean. Uh, and so, you know, not having something to put my energy into, not having really much to tell people, well, what's next? Shit, I don't know. (laughs) Those things were hard for me to deal with. Yeah, I remember um, I've talked to other retired athletes about similar stuff like this, and it interests me every time, and and there are common threads to it. Uh, I remember talking to Don Shula very late in his life. So this is 30 years after he's retired as one of the greatest coaches ever. And uh, I remember him saying, you just can never duplicate those three hours during a game, the excitement, the adrenaline of, of those three hours. And I wonder, um, what's, what do you miss most about football? Is it the actual game? Is it the camaraderie in the locker room? Is it the celebrity? What, what do you miss the most oh, about? Oh, man, a, a, a lot of those things that you just mentioned. And it's funny you say that. You'll never replicate a game, but you also never replicate the stress of a game. That, mm-hmm. that, that's stressful, and I don't miss that part. Uh, a few things, and, and one that actually really surprised me that while I was playing football, I, I would have, if I would have told you this was my response, I'd have been like, man, get out of here. That's terrible. I miss grinding through an intense workout. And while I was playing, I was never the weight room guy. I'd always try hard, but I was never like the guy I was like, oh man, I can't wait to lift weights. But the feeling of lifting and running to the point where you literally can't stand up or you're throwing up or you can't walk the next day or the feeling after a game where you're so sore you can't walk it is like physical proof that you did your best you don't get that anywhere else in life i work out i'm in good shape but i'm i'm not going to work out to the point where i throw up that would be ridiculous and so i miss being able to pour all my energy into something that day and knowing that I did my very best at that. And another thing I, I missed, I missed the camaraderie. I, you know, I miss being in a locker room, messing around with the guys. I miss the ability to compete. I love the fact that you go out there practice every day. You get a chance to compete I, before COVID. I played in an old man's soccer league right here in the neighborhood. And <laughs> I just love just getting out there to compete. But the other part is I like trying to get better at something, being nervous, going, into a performance, doing good or not doing all that well, having something to fix, going back to it. And, and I do um, a post-game show on Sunday Night Football, after Sunday Night Football in San Diego, a local show on NBC called Football Night in San Diego. And I get a little bit of that feeling. I get to prepare. I get to perform. It doesn't 
never get like a perfect show. It's never, oh man, I nailed it. There's always something that I can improve on. And I like that feeling of, you know, saying, Greg, you did well, but there's something you can do better. Let's work on that and get back. So I get a little bit of that from football. I get a little bit of competition from chasing old men around a soccer field. Uh, but you just like Shula said, you can't replicate that total feeling that football gives you. We're going to move on to, to happier subjects um, in, in just a second. But I wanted to ask, what's your best advice for former athletes and, and athletes who have retired who might be struggling a little bit with the, the mental side of it? Had you had an opportunity, say, to speak with uh, Vincent Jackson uh, a month ago or what have you, um, what do you think you'd try to impart to somebody like that who may be struggling a little bit with the afterlife, so to speak? I mean, to, to take advantage of the help that's given. So we, the NFLPA has done an amazing job of fighting for resources for players. And we have an arsenal of things we could take advantage of. You know, they pay for me to go to graduate school. They have mental health counselors. They have career counselors. And they're literally one phone call away. But, you know, the, it's it's hard to get former players to engage. And so, you know, my advice would be just, advantage of it there's people literally waiting to help you out we just got to be strong enough as men to ask for that help and we can't be afraid of doing so good advice by the way we're speaking with greg camarillo the former nfl player um who's uh well known uh to dolphin fans for a particular bit of history that we'll get to in just a second but greg you're an interesting dude i'm going to describe you in a way and, and let me see if i have this right you turned down harvard to walk on at stanford your mother is uh, a Jewish Hungarian. Your dad's Mexican Catholic. You have described yourself, maybe half kiddingly, as a Mexi Jew. Uh, you're in a, a you're in a beautiful interracial marriage. You have three great little girls, uh, and and the family celebrates Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa. So you've got some serious celebrating going on. Did I, do I have all that about right? Yeah, you you nailed it, man. I am a self proclaimed Mexi Jew. Uh, <laughs> in the background, actually, as a perfect one for Miami, a Latino that's Jewish. It's like, that's like 70% of the population right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I come from a, a very diverse family. Uh, my wife is black. And so my kids are black, white, Latino, Jewish. We celebrate a lot of different holidays. Uh, you know, I take pride in, in having a mixed up background. And I like um, to just throw it all at my kids and hoping they understand, you know, who I am, who their mom is, and where our families come from. I, I do want to ask you, Greg, um, with that in mind, uh, and, and everything this country's gone through in, in the past year with the racial reckoning and, and those the, the terrible video of, of the way George Floyd died and, and the whole um, arising of the idea of white privilege, how have you dealt with that within your family? Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you asked because I, I, I love to jump into these conversations. And yeah, I talk about it with my kids all the time. So this morning, my kids are, are asking me all the time to print out coloring pages. So we print out these pictures of dolls, black and white, like a coloring book, and they're coloring it. And one daughter asks another daughter for a crayon. And she says, this is a perfect crayon for skin color. And, and my, my three kids are three different colors. Mom's a different color from dad. So we're all across the board. And so I asked her, I said, why is that a perfect skin color? And she said, I don't know. It just is. And I said, well, you know, if you say this is a perfect skin color, how does somebody feel that's not that skin color? And so we just, you know, right there, it was, a, she's eight years old. Right. You know, I could see the wheels turning and just said, perfect is not a good word for describing a skin color because it's, if it matches you, that's great for you. But if it doesn't match someone else, they're going to feel bad about it. So those little messages to kids 
can go a long way. And it's just a matter of framing it in a way that a kid can understand. And the earlier we talk about it, the more comfortable we're going to be talking about it as an adult. And I think that's a step forward. I want to um, talk a little bit about the Miami Dolphins, uh, past and, and present. You, um, your, your place in Dolphins history is, is unique because um, you, along with the quarterback, Cleo Lemon, rescued the Dolphins from franchise disaster from an 0-16 season in uh, 2007. 0-13 team playing the Baltimore Ravens at Dolphin Stadium. You catch a 64-yard walk-off touchdown pass in overtime that wins the game and I think I was there and I remember this crowd of Dolphin fans acting as if the team had just won the Super Bowl. I wonder how you recall that play, uh, that moment, the the aftermath. Describe that feeling for me. Yeah, well, um, I mean, you see the stadium this year with the, with the social distancing and the space between fans. We were so bad in 07 that there was similar space between each <laughs> six open seats for every one seat. Uh, but, you know, uh, one of the, the best moments of my career, you know, this is a podcast so people can't see it, but right behind me in my office is a picture of that of that play. I can see it. Above that, there's a helmet and a game ball. So, you know, obviously it was a moment of transition in my life. Going into that game, I had one catch for two yards, which is, I mean, if you can if you can – raise your hands out and show your total distance of your career in yards. That's not a good career. <laughs> so I was a nobody going into the game. And then I was given an opportunity and it just worked out magically. Probably the biggest celebratory moment in my football career. I mean, we acted like we won the Super Bowl yeah. because it was such a, if the fans were going nuts, because any fan that was still there was a faithful fan. Cause you don't go, <laughs> After losing 13 games, you don't go to the stadium unless you really care. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was just a great moment, a great uh, catalyst for my career. Uh, and something I'll, I will always cherish in the connection with Dolphin fans, that that moment is always there. And I, and I appreciate fans um, for sticking around in those tough times. You um, actually played here during three pretty eventful seasons in Miami. Uh, the team goes from 1-15 and to the playoffs the next year. Cam Cameron to Tony Sperano, the Wildcat offense, uh, all the Ricky Williams drama. Uh, what stands out most clearly or, or most vividly for you of your Miami years, other than that one play you just described? Yeah, so uh, you mentioned it. We went from 1-15 to 11-5 and in making the playoffs. That From one win to 11 wins is the greatest turnaround in NFL history. And that is one of the most proud moments of my career because it represents how hard we busted our ass as a team. When we switched coaches, they changed everything. And our world got flipped upside down and we turned it right backside by hard work, old school, hard work. Uh, and so it was a very challenging time, but to do that, work hard, and then reap the benefits of that hard work as a team, that that's what you're in, that's what you play football for. I mean, you, granted, you know, normally you play well, you always play to win a championship. We didn't do that, but it was something that I'm most proud of. I have another game ball that's the greatest turnaround in NFL history, and that's one of the greatest team accomplishments that I've ever been a part of. Parenthetically, Sperano, of course, passed away fairly recently, and uh, uh, I knew him very well. Um, uh, didn't, didn't know Cam uh, that well, but uh, certainly Tony. And to this day, I cannot fathom how he did not win the NFL Coach of the Year Award for taking a one-win team 
to the playoffs. It, it was just a crime. I think the Atlanta coach uh, beat him out for that honor. But at any rate, you still follow the Dolphins fairly closely, I'm assuming. I do. Uh, I wonder if, uh, as a receiver, as, as somebody, if you were on the team right now, you would have a vested interest in, in how they move forward with this. Uh, they're either going to go all in with Tua Tagovailoa and, and use all these high draft picks to surround him with talent, or they're going to spend all that draft capital and more to try to acquire Deshaun Watson, which is, is well known. It's been reported and speculated on and rumored and all that stuff. Uh, any thoughts on, on that decision facing your former team? Yeah. Let me just start out. I love the direction the team is going. The GM is killing it. Brian Flores is killing it. They are headed quickly in the right direction. I love that because it, it's been hard it's been hard to watch them for the last decade. Yes, but, it uh, is. <laughs> uh, I love the direction they're going. And so my take on your question, you absolutely 100% get Deshaun Watson if you can get him without ruining the ability to get support for him. Deshaun Watson is a top tier quarterback, but as we've seen in Houston, he can't do anything unless he has help. So if you spend yeah. all of your money, all of your cap money, all of your picks to get him and can't get him help, that's pointless. So you, if you can get him and still have room for improvement, you do it. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think his price tag is too high. You get to a help. The best way to help a young quarterback is to surround him with people that help him. You know, Patrick Mahomes is the pinnacle of being a quarterback, but look what he has around him. Oh, Tyreek yeah. Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, Edwards Alaire, a great offensive line. He wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes if, you know, he was in Cleveland, if he was in Cincinnati. He would still be a good quarterback, but he wouldn't be the quarterback we see. You have to help out a young quarterback and get him developed by getting him weapons. And my time in Miami, they always said we need more receivers. We need better receivers. So I'm sorry to pass this on again to the next <laughs> round, but you got to get some weapons, a true number one receiver somewhere where well, we watched, we watched Tom Brady because he's, you know, the, the Super Bowl MVP. We always watch him, even though we, if Dolphin fans are like me, we hate him, but we respect him. Mm -hmm. If he's in trouble, he just throws the ball up to Mike Evans or he knows exactly where Gronk is. You need to get a guy where, where Tua is in trouble, he just knows, I'm going to that guy. And that's what they need to go get. Yep, no doubt. I agree. You know, the dilemma for Miami is whether or not it's possible to get Deshaun Watson, but not give up enough where you still yeah. have, you know. I don't, I, I don't think it is. I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. Um, Greg, I've, I've kept you too long, and it's been really interesting. I'd like to close out with a few rapid-fire questions uh harking right. back to your playing days who's the defensive player you played against that that after the game you said to yourself wow that guy's a little crazy oh a little crazy because those dbs have a reputation oh, and those dbs i thought you were going to say best defensive player now nah, i'm messing up this rapid firing because <laughs> i'm trying to think oh you can um, give me the best as well and the, the Revis, by far hands down the best who's but that the rail revis yep. that's without a question a little crazy oh man it's a South Florida guy, Brandon Merriweather, with the uh, with with the New England Patriots, and he would fly around. He would, uh, you know, smack me when I got the ball. I would try to smack him when we were run blocking. <laughs> it, we were not friends on the field, but it was a good a good duel, and he kept his mouth running. So I'll say he was he was one of the, the craziest defenders. Who's the defensive player who who tried the hardest to like get under your skin or or in your head? The best best way to get under my skin was to be extra physical, just because it took extra energy it was uh finnegan i think was his name was it was a db oh, courtland Cortland. Cortland, Cortland, yeah. oh yeah. man 
hated playing against him just because he was dirty. I mean, he a little bit, but he required so much more energy to play against because you had to battle on every play that it was exhausting. Uh, and so, yeah, that he got under my skin for sure. <laughs> have you ever in your life, and, and the time to do this would have been shortly after that 64-yard catch, I would imagine, have you ever in your life dropped the uh, um, um NFL player Greg Camarillo card to like get a table at a restaurant or get out of a speeding ticket or something like that? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm, t- I'm killing your rapid fire, but I got to tell a story. So <laughs> good on Sunday nights, I can't forget the name of the place, but there was a place in South Beach. This this is um, before Live in the Fountain Blue, but there was a Sunday night play where we would go. Several of our teammates would go, and I had gone weeks before that, but never was like a big spender in the club, so I never really. Like I got a a table and a bottle once and I didn't tip the doorman, which at the time I didn't realize would ever become an issue. I just figured (laughs) you tip the the waitress, the server. So after that 64 yard catch, we go back to that club and the total opposite happened. He said, you're not coming in. I was like, come on, man. We just want to celebrate (laughs) this victory. Everybody in Miami knew we had finally won. He's like, you're not coming in. And I couldn't figure out why. And he told me, I didn't tip him $100 to be walked to the table, not at the table for service, to be walked to the oh table. Oh, my God. And so it took a solid 30 minutes to convince him, all right, you know, I'll tip you this time. Just let me let me in and let me have some fun. So the total opposite experience. That's funny. Uh, a bunch of places uh, down here have that reputation. Joe Stonecrab used to be like that, where, you know, if you didn't grease the palm of the maitre d' or whatever, you might uh, you might have to wait an hour and a half for a for a table. Um, yep, that was me. <laughs> Greg, who's the most impressive physical specimen that uh, you played with in the NFL? Oh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, yeah. I played with him yeah, in Minnesota. The dude is a machine made of pure muscle. Break your hand when you shake it. That guy was ooh, impressive. Best, uh, best prank you ever witnessed in an NFL locker room? Ooh, best prank. Like, uh, they, they put train the training rooms have this cream that makes your skin super hot so your muscles feel warm right i've seen that put into a jock strap or underwear and that is that's just cruel <laughs> why'd you do that it wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> um teammate who could eat the most food uh, and, and what did you witness him eat in one sitting receivers we didn't really we didn't stick around to fat guys when they were eating that much <laughs> i don't have any good stories linemen would have to meet weight every, I think, Thursday or Friday. So they would shed weight, shed weight, shed weight, and then there would be massive boxes of donuts immediately after they weighed in. So these these linemen would just pound donuts seconds <laughs> after weighing. Greg, I've kept you way too long uh, because I've enjoyed it so much. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, and follow this guy um, on Twitter, at Catch Camarillo, and uh, check out his Two Pros and a Joe podcast, which I certainly plan to do. And... Um, Greg, I'd, I'd, I'd really enjoy uh, maybe reaching out to you again every once in a while, make you a friend of the podcast. And if something happens down here that's Dolphin-related, maybe, maybe you'll hear from me again. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, pleasure connecting with you, Greg. To Greg, just reach out whenever you need me. I appreciate that. And, uh, again, thanks very much for doing this. If I can ever – I can't imagine what it would be, but if I can ever do anything for you down here or what have you, uh, uh, please please let me know. Maybe you can get me into Joe's Stone Crab. I can try that. Let me check my wallet. (laughs) Awesome. Good chatting with you, man. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Hey, want to thank Greg Camarillo. Really enjoyed that interview, actually, that conversation. And uh, do you usually not enjoy the interview? There have been thank times. You. Sure. Yeah. Who did you enjoy least? I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. It was a book author. But um, we're in reruns. I thought you were going to rip The Whistler or something. No, I love The Whistler. I really did. The Whistler and The Hugger. Snuggler. Snuggler. Don't be offensive. Yeah, snuggling, huggling, whatever. Same thing. Uh, anyway, thanks, Greg Camarillo. Please become a friend of the podcast because we want to have him back on, particularly in dolphin-related things. And one of the things I asked him about was the whole Tua Deshaun Watson thing, and he actually had uh, some strong comments on that. So now we're on to the song that makes fun of me and, and touts Christopher for all the production work he has to have to make me sound semi-professional. I got inspired to put it to a Crash Test Dummies song. If you haven't heard of them, I'm sorry. I think it still should be funny. But if you've heard of the Crash Test Dummies, it, they've only had one song that you'd know. This is it. We're um, happy to be joined today by uh, Greg Camarillo. Uh, um, 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 um. Um, 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 Before we talk about that, <clears throat> pardon my voice here. Um, um, and, um, we're, um, pardon my voice here. Um, um, and, um, we're, um, 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 and, um, we're, um, 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 and, um, we're, um, do people know that song, uh, Crash Test Dummies? No. Mm -hmm. They don't? No. Well, if they know it, if the seven people out there that are aware of that song thought that was even funnier. I'm sure that's just kind of funny in general, just because it's you know a montage of you saying um, but the people that know the song that that's parodying, I think are right. laughing a little harder. And, and here's, a, here's a quick fact. You may not even know this. Uh, your former babysitter, when you were like uh, three to six years old or whatever, Maureen Diaz, she used to love that song. She was like the only Crash Test Dummies fan I ever knew. No, that was a great parody. I really enjoyed that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we told this interesting tidbit that is, is only interesting to you and I. About and and Maureen, listening. if she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> last night, I, I heard last podcast, uh, I referenced Alan Cherry, and you're like, nobody knows who he is. But listen. Right. I feel the same way about I'm Maureen. I'm telling you, but we, it, <laughs> you did it. If, if you're in our podcast family, and you're a regular, and you listen every week, we're going to bring oh, you man. in to the family by sharing little inside stuff. We're already stuff. bringing them in so much. Like, 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 we're at least trying to give them the rel like something that's we could be criticized of like giving them a lot of stuff that they don't really give a shit. It's about. okay. We just had Uncle Dick on the podcast for Christ's sake. Now, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. All right. Shall we get on to Mount Greg more? Because it's an exciting one. Yes. It really is. Uh, it's an exciting one because we turned fifty today. This is our fiftieth podcast since we started last March. It's almost our first anniversary, and you know that's going to be a party, a party. But um, I want to welcome you to a very special Mount Gregmore today, this one in celebration of this being the 50th episode of our podcast, our golden anniversary pod. Oh my God, how many different ways are you going to say 50th? Like, we get so it. on today's mountain, we welcome the most notable examples of the number or word 50. <laughs> okay. How about that? First, our honorable mention. In the history of cinema, in the history of movies, there has only been one movie simply titled 50, spelled out F-I-F-T-Y. 
It was in 19, <laughs> 19, it was in 2015, fairly recently, and it was a Nigerian romantic drama that met with lukewarm reviews called 50. I thought you were going to say 50 Shades of Grey. Uh, well, that's, that was a, a whole, a whole title. I mean, this was the, a movie just right, called 50. But when you said 2015, I was like, is he, like, did right. I re- hear that wrong? Yeah, that would have been good, but, you know, with honorable mention, uh, as, as Mount Gregmore aficionados know, honorable mention is usually a real obscure one, you know, not, not as popular as Fifty Shades I'd, of Grey. I, I'd love if you admitted for the audience right now that you were a big fan of Fifty Shades of Grey and you read all the books. Didn't read a single word, uh, never saw the films. I don't even know if it was multiple books, but okay. it'd just be funny if... It'd be funny if you had a, like a deep, dark right. sex side. Yeah. I think that was what my mother, my late mother, used to refer to as a dirty movie. Okay. Uh, number five. Another interesting family. family. That's right. Ruth Doogie, who went on to become Ruth Cody because she married well Bill Cody. Uh, and if she hadn't, none of us would be here. Um, number five. It's the most popular beer in the world associated with the number 50. So named because it was launched in 1950. It's a light-tasting ale that was Canada's most popular beer for decades until being demoted by the increasing popularity of lagers. It's Labatt 50. Huh. I'm liking this. (laughs) Number four. He never did much as a coach, but as a player, he was the best in the NFL ever to wear number 50. A Hall of Famer and the centerpiece of the Chicago Bears' famed Monsters of the Midway defense, Mike Singletary. Best number 50 ever, huh? Uh, in the NFL, and fourth on Mount Gregmore. <laughs> number three, which will go right onto his resume, by the way. Number three. His name is Curtis James Jackson III, but you know him far better by his stage name in the rap game. He was a protege of Eminem and Dr. Dre, who had some monster hits early this century, including Go Shorty, It's Your Birthday. (laughs) That's right. We're in the club with 50 Cent. 50 Cent. 50 Cent. Number two. He was the best ever to wear uniform number 50 in NBA history. We're so white. Beloved in San Antonio and a Hall of Fame center despite starting his career late after serving in the Navy. You know it. The Admiral himself, David Robinson. Wow, that is surprising that you had him not only on this list at all, but that high. Hall of Famer. Gotta respect. And now, number one. (laughs) I feel like even you're bored with this list. No, it's it's (laughs) it 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 is reaching a crescendo. (laughs) They brought back the TV series in the 2010s, but we all know the original that aired from 1960 to 1980 was what made it famous with one of the most distinctive theme songs in TV history and actor Jack Lord, iconic, dominant as Detective Steve McGarrett, Hawaii Five-0. Hmm. And this is must Podcast Five-0. <laughs> thought you were going to maybe have like just this being the 50th podcast be like number one on your list. And you know what? It should have been. It, it really should have been. I want to redo this and make uh, my own podcast number one on Mount Gregmore. But now I will say, it, I will say, I will say, like before that list, I was like really kind of thinking you were going to get it like crazy with these with this one. But it ended up just being Mike Singletary and you know David Robinson 
and uh, you know. Yeah, and and you know what? My uh, I think it was an accurate list, though. Uh, I'm glad I threw in 50 Cent. And uh, by the way, uh, my Mount Gregmore research staff let me down, quite frankly, because I'm going to admit to you, had I thought of Fifty Shades of Grey or had it flown across my radar when doing the research, that probably would have made my list. I got to be honest. Well, maybe if I had an intern, we would have better, you know, yeah. Mount Gregmore research. Yeah, that's uh, that's another reason we got to go get one. Get on that. Get on that serious XM. Yeah, we're going to get on that right now. Um, you want to wrap it up? Let's wrap this up. Really appreciate you joining us again this week. It's been fun. Thanks again to Greg Camarillo. Will you respond to your emails? Like, what are these like loud emails I'm hearing in the background? I know. It's, uh, you know, I'm a popular man. What can I tell you? You um a lot. You have noises in the background. You swallow loudly. God. I know. Yeah, I apologize for everything that you haven't enjoyed. Uh, it's on me. I'm an imperfect man. Uh, but you all are imperfect listeners. Can I be perfectly candid? And that's why we're simpatico. That's why we're a podcast family. I'd like everybody to, uh, to circle back and listen to podcasts 1 through 49 if you haven't, if you're just catching up with us. All and, of them. Uh, listen to all of them. All of them in a marathon. And uh, please do rate, subscribe, and review and tell your friends and all that because we really enjoy what we're doing and we're doing it for you. Uh, not for all of you, but just for you personally. So thanks again. Look at us. Off to Sirius. Yeah. This is like the first stop on the way to the moon. Are we like taking off right now? This, this <laughs> I'm serious. I am serious. Moving on up like the Jeffersons. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.